to you. Well, today we're looking at Isaiah chapter 62, and I'm going to talk to you about really a sermon uh, that I have been working on since 1995. And there, there was a period in my life that there was just a deepening spiritually that I be, became hungry for some things or some things to understand. And so I'm going to talk to you about this issue of what it means to fast. Now listen, I, I, I totally understand. I totally get it. That, there, that, that many of you may never have fasted in your life uh, on purpose. Uh, you may have never fasted in your life. No one is, may have never taught you the principles of fasting. And so this morning, I'm going to teach you, and we're going to walk through the principles of fasting for the next two weeks. And then I'm going to lead you on Good Friday to pray for our city. We're going to pray through the phone book. We have prayer guides out there in the Welcome Center for you immediately following the service. You can grab those if you decide to join with us. And we've got guides and all of this other thing. So, so this morning is, is the why. And we'll only get two principles this morning done. And then next week we'll talk a little bit more about the why. And then we're going to talk about the mechanics. You see, in 1995, I, I started realizing that, in, and maybe you have too, that there are some believers, some Christians that, that I came up against and I talked to, and they had this different sense of peace in their life. They had this different sense of spirituality. They had this different sense of joy. They had this power in, in their life because, you know, it's so sad. But today you can meet so many believers and they have no joy. It's just like they're sucking it up and they're just getting through life. Even though they would call themselves believers and say they have a relationship to Christ, they really have no joy in their life. They really have no power in their life. There is really no difference in their life. fact is, many believers just want to live normal lives. They want their life to look normal like everybody else around them. They want their life to look normal like the world. And so they make decisions with their finances just like everybody else would. Or they make decisions with their time just like everybody else would. Or they make decisions about their relationships or choices that they make in life because they don't want someone at work or at school or whatever to say, hey, you're weird, you're abnormal, you're strange. And so what happens in Christianity is a lot of people just want to be normal. And what happens is there is no power in that. There is no joy in that. God never called us. He never called us to be normal. And so I want to talk to you about this issue of fasting and why we fast and why fasting is so critical. You see, it was out of fasting that God led Karen and I to come to Pueblo, Colorado and, and plant a church. It was out of fasting that in our life that, that we have made major decisions in our life, whether it's our personal lives or whether it's ministry. And listen, let me tell you something. I have fasted from a food group, from, from a meal, from three days to five days to ten days, all the way up to 40 days. And so we'll talk about that whole deal. Don't freak out on me. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to teach you the principles and we're going to teach you some things. And I'm going to invite you on a spiritual journey just to deepen with him. And so one of the questions that we have before us is, is what is this biblical? You know, I mean, is it biblical? And so let me, let me just answer that by telling you that in the Old Testament, uh, fasting was a regular discipline. Fasting was something that they normally did in their, their, their routines, in their discipline. Now, in the New Testament, I'll tell you, there is never a place in the New Testament that Jesus commands us to fast. The fact is, when you look at the teachings of Jesus, you realize that though he never commanded us to fast, he looked at it as normative. He is kind of, in fact, is Matthew chapter 5 and 7, Jesus puts fasting on the same level as some other things. He says, uh, 
When you pray, do this. When you give, do this. When you fast, do this. See, it was important to Jesus. And Jesus looked at it. This is just normative for the Christian life. This is just normal. Now, we, in our worldly sense, say that's abnormal. But Jesus would say, you know what? That's totally normal. I mean, when you, I mean, he would put it on the same level as prayer. And none of us would say, shouldn't pray. He put it on the same level as giving, how we handle our resources. And he puts it on the same level as, as many other things. Fact is, Matthew chapter 9, when the Pharisees are criticizing Jesus and the disciples, and he said, why don't your disciples fast like we do? And Jesus answered that and says, oh, it's easy. You don't long for the bridegroom when he is not with you. You don't fast when the bridegroom, you don't fast when, when I am with you. But the day will come when I will no longer be with them physically. And then on that day, they will begin to fast and pray. And we can go all through Scripture. The fact is, in Acts chapter 1, uh, the New Testament church was birthed to the Gentiles. After a time of fasting and prayer, Acts chapter 13, the disciples were wanting to carry the, the gospel into a, to some new nations, into some new areas, and they knew that they were going to be persecuted. And so they didn't know how. They knew they, God was leading them to plant churches, but they didn't know how. They didn't know, know, know the, the pragmatics of it. And so out of desperation, they fasted and they prayed. You see, fasting is the picture of desperation. Fasting is the picture of longing for more of God. Fasting is the picture for desiring God to the deep level. But you see, in our culture, even as believers, we've come to believe that feeding the body is more important than feeding the soul. And so we feed the body, and we don't deny the body of any of its appetites, whether it's materialism, whether it's toys, whether it's hobbies, whether it's anything. We, we, we feed the body, and we do not deny the body anything. Fact is, we are so committed to feeding the body even if we can't afford it, we'll go deep in debt, whether it's credit cards or second mortgages or anything else, because we believe feeding the body is primary. And you know what's happening? Our soul is malnourished. And that's why a lot of people will acquire a lot of things and a lot of success. And they'll talk about all their things and they'll talk about all of their success. But down deep inside, they're like, is this all there is? Surely I thought that that toy or those things or that success was going to bring me peace and was going to bring me comfort. And what they're finding and what we're finding is this. Is it feeding the body? Listen, let me just tell you. Feeding the body is not plan A for your life. And you fast and you pray to feed the, the soul. Are you longing? What are you hungry for? We come face to face with this question at Fellowship of the Rockies. Do we really want God in our lives? Do we really want more of God in our lives? 
Or we just, do we just want enough of God in our lives to make us feel respectable or to help us give us some comfort that we'll make it to heaven? And our soul is empty and malnourished. Do we want more of God in our lives? Do we want more of God in our marriages? There's deep relationships, there's deep friendships, and there's power in that. Do we want more of God in our relationships? Do we want more of God in our business? Do we want more of God in our schools? Do we want more of God in our city? Do we want more of God in our church? If so, if you are one of those that says, I'm not happy spiritually with where I'm at, and I'm longing for more of God in my life. So I'm one of those believers that has joy and has peace. I think the worst testimony of a believer is a joyless, joyless life. Who's criticizing everything, mad about everything, has a sour look on their face. It doesn't even make Christianity. I mean, they may have Jesus, but they're not excited about it. And we come to this point to where we have to ask ourselves, what are we hungry for? Because whenever you fast, whether it's a food group, you fast a meal, you fast a couple of days, whenever you fast, you will experience hunger pains. And when you do, it is a reminder to you That more than I crave food, I crave you. More than I long for food, and I long for you. And I long for your presence in my life. Isaiah chapter 62 is a visible image for us to look at this morning of a prophet Isaiah that was burdened for a, a group of people, a people of God. He was burdened for a city and he was burdened for a nation because they got to the point to where they looked and their lives looked exactly like the world. And they're wondering, why is there no power in my life? Why is there no joy in my life? And Isaiah answers that. Isaiah chapter 62, verse 1. We're going to read through verse 7. Here's what the scripture says. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, and so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride. That is a picture out of the Old Testament of Jesus Christ rejoicing over the church. So you shall, so shall your God rejoice over you. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. 
All the day, all the night, they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. I want our church to be a church that gives God no rest, that we are bombarding the throne of heaven day and night And we are longing for him. We are longing to have a relationship with him. We are bombarding the gates of heaven day and night on behalf of a city that is far away from God. There's two reasons this morning we're going to look at it why we fast. The first one is this, is we fast because we are hungry for the presence of God. One of the main reasons we fast is we fast because we're hungry for the presence of God. When I was in an extended fast one time, God broke me of this because I thought, you know what, really and truly, in my immaturity, I thought, that well, this is a way to get God to do some things that he hasn't been doing in my life because Jesus is the one that said, there are some things in your life that I can only answer your prayers by what? By prayer and fasting. I knew that verse. I understood that verse. But listen, the primary reason why we fast is not to force God to do some stuff in our life. It's because we long for His presence more than the daily necessity of food. Man, we long for you. We learn in fasting that my body doesn't have to rule me. There are so many of us and we cannot stand up against any kind of temptation because our body and our appetites, they rule over us. And fasting helps us to understand that our desire is Him. What are you hungry for? Do you desire more of him? Notice this verse 1. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. In Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. Until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. Prophet Isaiah said, the reason that I cannot keep silent is for Zion's sake, is for Jerusalem's sake. You see, what was happening in those times is the people of God had wandered very, very far away from God. Fact is, they, they were in, they just wanted to be normal. They didn't want any of their secular friends, they didn't want any of their friends that, that weren't Christians to look into their life and say, you're strange, you're abnormal, you're weird. So they compromised. Fact is, most of your secular friends, most of your friends that don't go to church, most of your friends that don't know Christ... They're completely good with you going to church on Sundays. They kind of think that's a good thing. Until you make some changes in your life Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday. Normal Christianity, I'm just telling you, it's killing us. And it's sucking the life out of us. To where our body rules, to where we date 
the same way the world would date, and we live together the same way the world would live together, and we make decisions the same way the world would make decisions, and there's no real purity in our life, and there's no real holiness in our life because we just won't be normal. And we wonder why there's no blessing or no power in our life. See, this people group, they felt deserted or they felt forsaken because they had wandered from God and God was disciplining them. There were some consequences to their sin, if you will. And the prophet Isaiah said, the people of God, we were not meant for this. Jerusalem was not meant for this. We were created for holiness. We were created for righteousness. We were created to have our soul nourished. And it begins interceding for them. Because he had this holy dissatisfaction. Do you have a holy dissatisfaction for the presence of God in your life? Do you have this holy dissatisfaction for the people of God in Pueblo, Colorado? See, we would say in our culture, in our context, we will not be silent. Because Pueblo, Colorado was not designed for this. It doesn't take you long to go through the newspaper and read article after article and realize this is not the way it's supposed to be. These decisions were hurt and all these other things. This is not the way that it was supposed to be. Do we have a a dissatisfaction right now for a deeper power of God in our life or in our churches? Do we see where we are? And where we could be. Is Christianity for us just going through some rituals and getting that out of the way and then we go on our week the way that we always intended to? Man, Acts chapter 1. In fact, is when you walk through the book of Acts, you find that there was this different level of the movement of God. These guys had the power of God in their life. Acts chapter 1. Simon Peter stands up and he preaches his sermon and it says that they were, they were cut to the heart and thousands came to know Christ. The next chapter, there's this man that's a, a paralytic. He's paralyzed and he gets healed and he's in church and he's jumping up and down and he's going nuts and he's praising God for what God has done in his life. The next chapter, thousands of people are coming to Christ. The next church, they're getting persecuted for for what they believed. And they like it. See, what happens to us, we just want to be normal. We don't want anybody telling us we're abnormal. We We just want to fit in. Not these guys. The power of God was so strong in their life that when they got persecuted for believing what they believed and doing what they were doing and starting churches and all these other things. See, if that would have been me, I may have prayed, Lord, this hurts. I don't like it. Take the persecution away. Not these guys. They long for God. They long for the holiness of God. They understood what was going on. You know what these guys did? They prayed, God, May we preach your word more boldly next time. May we not cave because we're, we're being persecuted. May we not cave in and just try to be like the rest of the world. We long for you. Man, the next chapter, 
And scripture says that, that, that people are being added to the church daily. Churches are getting planted. People are coming to Christ. Do we have that kind of power? Do we even long for it? Do we even desire it? Can you imagine a day if God blew through this community and his word, his righteousness blew through the community as a burning torch so that all would see in Pueblo, Colorado? And the day would come when we're preparing for an Easter service and we pass out a bunch of Be My Guest cards. And you cannot find a soul in Pueblo that does not attend church somewhere. This was happening. And actually, the problem is we no longer think biblically. We think worldly. And we look at things that he says is normal, and we say that's weird, that's abnormal. So many people in 1995, when Karen and I left a profession, I left a profession sold a bunch of stuff and moved to Pueblo, Colorado to plant a church based on a call that God had on our life. So many people told us, that's weird. That's abnormal. That's strange. But if we think biblically, it may not even make the pages of Scripture. I mean, if we read that in the pages of Scripture and it says, oh... And Charlie and Karen, based on a call from God, left, Pueblo, left Houston, Texas and went to Pueblo to start a church. Well, of course they did. That's what people did. See, we quit thinking biblically. And we're calling the things abnormal that God says is totally normal. Do we long to see people come into Christ that we would never expect? That we've wiped off of our prayer list and our prayer cards and we've given up on them? Are we tired of lives that have no power of God in them? Are we tired of marriages that have no power in them. No relationship, no friendship, just going through the motions. Are we tired of lives with no purity and no real blessing? Are we tired of lives to where we just feed the body and we believe more stuff and feeding the body is the answer and we're getting emptier and emptier Are we tired of just sitting back like everything's okay and we have this perfect family that when we're in church we give the impression that we have no struggles, we have no problems, we have no issues. Even though we're missing out on the power of God in our lives, in 1995, I started out on a journey that I want to see the power of God and the holiness of God restored in my life.
Do we long for that relationship to where we're not covering up for sin and we're not excusing it away? And we're honest with God and we're transparent with God. And we're experiencing God's grace in our lives. Do we want the power of God in our church to where we care for one another? We know one another. We love one another. We pray for one another and we come into community with one another. It's not just about the weekend deal, but it's deeper than that. It's more than that. We get involved. And we love one another and we give grace to one another and we pray for one another and we encourage one another because I'm telling you, we have made Christianity all about us. Church is the place where I go, get fed, and go out. That's not normative Christianity according to Scripture. Do we long to care about one another and care about poverty and care about missions and caring about the suffering that goes on in our city, in our community? Do we want to see the power of God restored in a people group and in a church? We want to hear His Word and honor His Word. If so, Man, we fast and we pray. Are, are we content with sitting on the wall? No. Are we content with sleeping on the wall and mindless watching TV, surfing the internet? Meanwhile, our soul is suffering and malnourished. And we go channel for channel and channel and saying there's even more channels but there's just nothing on. Because we're looking for it to feed our soul. We fast and we pray for the holiness of God, for the presence of God in our life. Last thing is this, we fast and we pray so that God's name would be lifted up. Not lifting up the name of a church. We fast and we pray so God's name will be lifted up. We uh, went through some renovations on, on the, the platform here, and, and as a result of that, we, we, it was easier just to carpet it. So if you're sitting there wondering what's different up here, that's what's different and uh, so we carpeted this, and so uh, we would never refer to this as a stage. Uh, a stage is a place for a performance. A platform is to lift up. We lift up the name of God. This is not a stage. This is a platform. So Pastor Chad led us uh, Saturday night before the worship service last week for all the, the worship team members and the pastors, we just gathered around and we prayed and we knew they were going to skim it and carpet it. And uh, everyone took a sharpie and they, they wrote a verse that God had spoken to them. 
And it was such a huge reminder to me last weekend when I preached three services, and you, you could har- I could hardly step in a place that there wasn't a verse written. And I had to fight ever spontaneous moment in my being, not just stop and go verse by verse and talk about it, but one of the verses that meant the most to me, because everybody on this platform um, wrote their scripture near where they either lead worship or preach. And right over here, about right here, someone wrote a verse, and she used John 3.16, and she wrote, for God so loved Pueblo that he gave his one and only son that nobody should perish. Everybody should come into eternal life. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name. That the mouth of the Lord will give you. Verse 7 and Give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in earth. And so we are not calling out to God until people praise the church or until people praise Fellowship of the Rockies. You see, we're, we're, we're crying out to him so that his name would be lifted up. See, all the way through Old Testament to New, God blessed a people group so that nations would be blessed. So that when nations looked into that people group, they would say, that's the character of God. That's what God is like. Genesis chapter 12, God gave the promise and says, I will bless you so you will be a blessing to the nations. Listen, let me tell you something. The reason that God blesses you financially is not so you just continue to feed your body with more and more and more that doesn't bring any happiness and doesn't bring you, well, it'll bring temporary happiness, but doesn't bring any real joy. It doesn't feed the soul. He blesses you to be a blessing. And I know that's abnormal to us. Jesus said, you give, it will be given to you because I bless good stewards. So when people look into the people of God, they say that's what the character of God is like. That's why the church is so important. Listen, and I know I'm living in a time where I'm convincing people over and over. Yes, the church is important. Listen, when people's schedules get cramped, when people have trouble with schedule, the church is the first thing that goes. The church is like, if we have time. But I'm telling you, the church is critical. Do you long to see the holiness of God in a church to where we realize that we love one another, we get involved in life groups, we get involved in ministry, we do life together so that when Pueblo, when the world looks into the church, they say, that's the character of God. That's what God is like. How many times have we heard testimonies where people said, you know what, I looked into a church and if that is what God is like, I want none of that. 
The reason that we join together, the reason that we pray, the reason that we encourage each other, the reason, listen, people, it doesn't take much. I know. It doesn't take much this day and time. Because people have made church all about their comfort, their, 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 their preferences, and it doesn't take much for people just to blow out. And I know. I know the challenge I face. I hear it every day of my life. Charlie, you're just not realistic. We're busy. I got a busy life. Can I tell you this? Some of the busiest people I know serve you every weekend. Some of the busiest people I know are handing you bulletins, greeting you on the way in. Some of the busiest people I know are serving your children over there in the children's ministry right now. Some of the busiest people I know are involved in impact ministries and missions in this community. Some of the busiest people I know, they're involved in life groups and life Bible studies. They're doing life together. And people that would consider themselves mature believers are saying, we are too busy. Why? Because they have come to believe that feeding the body is more important than feeding the soul. And it's only about a one. we got so many Christians that are so happy with fast food Christianity that just want a quick fix, that just go through the drive-thru, get a happy meal for their family, and not eat again until hopefully next week, if they have time. And I'm telling you, do you long for the holiness of God and the power of God in your life? You don't look like the rest of the world. You're different. A, a friend of mine, he's a pastor in, in, in Colorado Springs. His name's Stuart McWilliams. And Stu got an opportunity to, this last summer to go to Oxford and, and study for a, for a, for a summer. He had a, took a study break. And I don't know that I'll ever get to do that. I don't know that they let Texans in at something like that. But uh, probably butcher their language really bad. But anyway, uh, he got to go. And so he says, unbelievable. And so they toured um, some of the cathedrals at a time in, when Christianity was strong in their, their country. And people, the majority of people were believers. But you know what? Today, very few are believers. It's where we're headed. We don't believe in the church any longer. We don't believe in holiness any longer. We don't believe in the power of God any longer. And we are headed that way. Because we made church all about us. We made church all about our preferences. We can look at somebody wrong. So they toured some cathedrals. And so he was in this really nice cathedral, the second one that they looked at for the day. And in the worship area, there were holes in the brick walls, on the exterior walls. And so Stu asked the guide, says, what is up with those holes? He says, well, they're squint holes. And he says, squint holes? I've never heard of that. He goes, oh, yeah, it was a time, and it was an embarrassing time in, in our church history, but it was an embarrassing time when the lepers would want to come to church, and the church didn't want to let the lepers in. 
So what they would do is, is they would take a brick out of the wall and the lepers, while worship is going on and they're praising God and lifting hands and the whole deal, the lepers would have to squint to try to hear and see because a church didn't want them in. They didn't want to be bothered by them. Right after that, I was reading the book that Erwin Lutzer wrote, When a Nation Forgets God. And he took the history of, of Germany when, when, when Hitler uh, and the Holocaust and the Nazis and the whole deal. And so he went over to Germany and he, he found a man as he tracked him down. There was a, a young teenage boy when all of this was going on. And he, he was a Christian and he was in a Christian church. And so he interviewed him and he says, what was it like? to be a believer and to be a Christian during that time. And he says, he says, you know what? I can still remember that vividly as a little boy. He says, in our church, he said that we would meet at on Sunday mornings, there were train tracks behind our church. And the Nazis were using that, and they would take Jews, men and women and children, and they would put them in cars like cattle. And they would, would take them and, and transport them that way uh, to the gas chambers and to the concentration camps. And, and so... They normally came by on a Sunday at, when we were doing Bible study and we could hear their screams. The screams, he said, still haunt me. But we could hear their screams praying that someone would help and someone would intervene. And he says, I will never forget our church leaders made a decision because the train came by normally at the same time every Sunday. They moved Bible study to later, worship earlier. They timed worship so that when the trains came by, that they were worshiping God and they were singing loudly. So when they heard the whistle blowing and when they heard the rumbling of the tracks and when they heard the train coming, they would make sure they're in worship. And as the train got closer and closer, they would sing louder and louder to drown out the cries So they would ignore it. And I'm not judging any of those because I don't know how I would have reacted. But my question to you and God's question to Fellowship the Rockies is this. What train is rolling by our church and our community right now that we were just amping up the busyness in our life the mindless web surfing, the mindless watching of TV, the mindless activities of hobbies, trying to drown out the cries of a community that desperately needs God in their life so that when they look into our church, they say, that's the character of God. It is my prayer that we fast and we pray on Good Friday. And you'll have an opportunity. We have a prayer guide. They're in the Welcome Center. You can get them going out if you desire to join with us. And that we would seek Him. And in a fast, you'll find out what you're hungry for. My question to you, do you desire the holiness of God in your life? And what are you hungry for and what are you longing for?